ever since they've started with those recording warnings, it always takes me back to a police interrogation I endured when I was about 10. I busted the windshield out of a uh, old Datsun. There's just an old Datsun car that was had been sitting down by the park, you know, for several months. And I figured, well, nobody didn't want this. So I took a bottle of Boone's Farm I found in the park and just, psh, I don't know why. I just, <laughs> I just something I did. And then they took me in and told me why that was not appropriate. And what, why? What did, did they record your interrogation? Well, no, the the Dotson belonged to Tim Bo Reed, who, despite being five foot four, was one of the most <laughs> physically imposing men I've ever met in my life. Wait, imposing at like five foot four? You mean he was just like built? He just cocked diesel and like you know he he was just like one of those guys that like all the girls all the guys wanted to be him and all the girls wanted to be with him. You know what at I mean? At five four. At five four, like one of the OG short kings. Hell yeah! Also, he was just a very good athlete and very mean. You know what I mean? Small but wiry. Anyway, I dipped, ducked, and dodged him for months, and it came to a head one time, and he taught me a lesson. He didn't hit me though, so that was nice. He taught you a lesson without hitting you. Yeah, about going around busting people's windshields out with Boone's Farm bottles. <laughs> It's my Hold earliest up. introduction, juvenile delinquency. <laughs> oh shit. Um Yeah, my earliest introduction to juvenile delinquency was uh me and two friends peed in a styrofoam cup and put it at his neighbor's door stop ernest in front of his neighbor's door. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. And so we rang the doorbell and rang run and when she opened it it spilled out all over the porch and to this day i still feel terrible about it if i ever run into her i'll apologize hey uh maybe you didn't know this but uh now that was my piss in that cup that time <laughs> just some neighborhood boys being bad she's like oh i know i saved it and then out trots three kids that look exactly like me i had you i had you cloned from your piss I used to think that's, dude, this this is funny. I used to think that's why, when I was growing up, I was like, why do my brothers look like me? I was like, surely the only explanation is my parents get in the toilet after I pee and collect a piss sample. (laughs) And clone you? (laughs) Just a a dumb fucking kid. (laughs) Just a total ignoramus. (laughs) Complete moron. Surely what happens Well it's funny because like That is like a heady concept But you've skipped right over the most logical thing Just because you didn't know anything about sex That is is hilarious What it, It revealed that I had an understanding of genetics but had no understand, like didn't even have no a- <laughs> no concept whatsoever of sex. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not really that you were a dumbass. It's just that there's just one glaring hole in your knowledge. <laughs> uh, that's just like being a kid, though, man. I mean, kids are dumb as hell. Yeah, I was a dumbass kid. Imagine that dumb shit. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I'm a dumbass adult, so you can imagine what That's I was true. like when my head, my brain was the size of a walnut. That's true. My sister told me that, uh, told me that it was biologically impossible for women to fart, and I believed this for like 
like, I don't know, like, 12, 13 years of my life <laughs> until, like, literally, I know this sounds ridiculous, until literally I had, like, a girlfriend, like, uh, I think it was, like, like maybe in, I don't know, it wasn't in middle, maybe in, like, middle school, um, who farted when we were together. <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I know this sounds ridiculous man i feel embarrassed like saying this this is one of my darkest deepest secrets i tell nobody i don't know what the fuck is wrong with me i don't know Big if i wasn't paying attention in biology or anything people. like that man but yeah i thought i thought it was impossible and uh when i told my sister she like laughed so hard man i had a similar thing where i was an embarrassing age when i realized girls did not pee out of their butts <laughs> like because i just always saw girls sit down to Pee, yeah. and I thought, well, maybe they do two things out of their butt, you yeah. know? Instead of just what? I was not aware of vaginas, I guess, probably at that age. So, <laughs> I was like, well, I only sit down to do one thing, but I, you know, I hear a stream. That's weird. Girls yeah. pee out of their butts. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Well, oh, speaking of mysteries that will never be solved, um, I, I don't know. I, over the last 24 minutes, I was going to say 24 hours, but it's really just in the half hour leading up to this show, I've really been trying to figure out who the fuck this Michael Fanone guy is. He's the D.C. police officer who was, you know, tased in the January 6th storming of the Capitol he was tased and had a, a slight heart attack. Um, he's he's like in the news this week because apparently Georgia Representative Andrew Clyde refused to shake his hand. Um, he he did like which which, which state Georgia Georgia okay. He did the um in the like the liberal conception of this the liberal narrative like Fanone, which is a great last name for a cop. Very similar to Fatante. That's like, what I was thinking. I was like, is this the DSA cop? <laughs> DSA cop showed up at the January 6th Capitol. And, and honestly, have we ever have we seen Fanon and Fatante in the same room together? Think about it. Um, Could be the same guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in the liberal conception of this, Fanon has become Jesus Christ, and Andrew Clyde has become... What I guess I guess he'd be Peter. He denied him. He basically what he did. He um, actually this works out because um, so when this story was going around, all the stories had Fanon on the cover or on the front of the stories, and I was like, that's not the cop. Surely that's Andrew Clyde because it's like it's this good-looking middle-aged dude. I, I mean, I think he's pretty handsome, especially for like a police officer. Um, and Cops usually usually either look like like the Walmart brand of a hot guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> kind of like a porn star look, <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Or or they look like or they their their neck meat, the back <laughs> of their neck looks like that of a Sharpay dog. They look like fucking thumbs, man. Yeah, really, they do. They kind of look like thumbs, usually. like Spy Kids. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, if you guys ever see that, those big thumb things, yes. yeah, that's literally what yeah. cops look like. Or either, exactly as you said, like, uh, ridiculously handsome porn stars, right? Yeah, he's he's kind of handsome. Um, he's got, like, a spider web tattoo on his neck. The man's got a neck tattoo. 
which is another thing that I thought was very interesting. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I guess in the liberal conception of this, this would actually work with him being Jesus because technically a guy like Andrew Clyde, who is a Republican, um, would be, you know, exalt, you know, exalting him, worshiping him because he's a cop. But obviously, you know, they don't, uh, they don't see him as a, one of their own. And, um, apparently what happened was, I guess, Fanon was in D.C. meeting with lawmakers around this, like, January 6th commission and, um, went to shake Andrew Clyde's hand and I guess he just, like, looked away (laughs) and looked at his phone. (laughs) Yeah, he (laughs) pulled his hand away (laughs) and then wiped his hand through his hair. (laughs) Too slow. Gotcha. (laughs) Psych! (laughs) And, um... Fanon has been making the rounds. Like, he's been on every goddamn TV show. Where I'm going with this is this dude is very sus. I think this dude is pretty sus. Like, he looks sus. I just looked up a picture of him. And you don't imagine, Terrence, you said that when they, uh, when you looked at articles, they showed pictures of who I thought was the representative. Yes. But actually, Andrew Clyde looks like he would be a fucking cop. Like, <laughs> yeah. he looks very weathered. Exactly. Like, to put it kindly, yo. Right. Like, this yeah. dude looks like he would be a QAnon representative from Georgia. Like, yeah. the cop does. <laughs> like, the roles yeah. are very... <laughs> yeah, the roles are very... Uh, they're flipped, man. Yeah. It's so... The dude is very sus, and, and let, me put, let me put together a short case for why. Um, so, uh, first of all, Eric Swalwell is actually the person who tweeted about this first, which is really funny. Um... He tweeted about, uh, he said, Rep- Representative Eric Swalwell said that, you'll recall that he was one of, like, 30 people who ran in the Democratic primary in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that D.C. police officer Michael Fanone ran into Clyde at the Capitol on Wednesday, introduced himself as someone who fought to defend the Capitol and put out his hand. Clyde refused to shake it. To honor Trump, House Republicans will dishonor the police. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I love, I, man, you know what? I love that liberals have gone, like, so, like, I guess, well, I guess they've never, like, really disowned the police. They've just always been, like, hollering about, like, reform and, you exactly. know, defund and, like, you know, all, like, the usual calls. And not that, like, I'm against it that in principle. I just don't think it's going to avail much. But, but, like... I like that they've like now they're just now they're just bootlickers because of like some because they think Trump's a uniquely heinous historical figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, go ahead, Aaron. No, I want to say too. I think like <clears throat> what they don't understand is that uh, like the way that I guess like the Republican Party or just like the right has like shifted so like drastically. Like they these people don't support the police because. They think that the police are like a hindrance to like the world goals that they want. You know, they don't think the cops are actually going hard enough on people. You know, mm-hmm. so right. I think like on January sixth, uh, I remember reading uh, there were these QAnon protesters and whatnot. All these uh, also militia groups and shit that were basically shouting at the cops like, "Hey, you're supposed to be on our side. You know, we were with you, and now you're like, look at what you're doing. You know what I mean? Right. So, I think libs like kind of don't they don't get that man. It's, it's troubling, but yeah. 
Um, they've definitely latched onto him as, you know, a hero, obviously. Like, um, well, I'll get to this in a minute, but let me just, let me just point something out here. Um, you know, so like I said, in the last couple months, Fanon has kind of become this media figure. In the same way that, I was talking with a friend about this the other night. It's very fascinating now how, um, it's been accelerated in the last 10 years, I want to say. Really, probably since, like, Joe the Plumber. But it's fascinating <laughs> since... It's fascinating how a regular American, or, you know, just a regular person, can become sort of fetishized or commodified into this sort of, like, meme or other thing. A commodity. Yeah. So, like, the best example in my, in my mind is the <coughs> Covcath kid. Remember the Covcath kid yeah. the one that was taunting the the elder nathan phillips yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. The th- yeah you know and they can go on to like have a good pretty you know pretty good like grift and media career mm-hmm. um as you know i'm sure the Cubcath kid has now been put into like a heritage foundation you know vat somewhere and they're pumping them full of steroids to get them you know <laughs> To be the next, <laughs> to, be the next. <laughs> to run for uh, senator from Northern Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Let me posit one more, Terrence, to you. Uh, we're talking about meme, like people that become memes and then go on to sell high heights. Look no further than the president of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden. <laughs> Yo, yeah. He's never, there's. I don't know if there's any human alive that's been mean more than him. You know what right. I mean? Right. And myth making about his like you know his friendship with Barack Obama, his black friend. Yeah, right. You know, and, I, and it's interesting because like Hillary couldn't escape like any of that like kind of myth making, like trying to reinvent herself, or I guess like uh, you know like kind of earn trust. You know, like she didn't really do a good job, and I think the Republicans for thirty years like attacking the Clintons, but Joe Biden's like this dude's been like. What, what, how long has it been? Like 50 years since he's been like in Congress? Yeah, in just the Senate about. and Congress, man. And it's like he's done horrible fucking shit. But like, you know, it's just amazing how, I mean, I guess because of the, the circumstances, how dire it was, you know, to get Trump out of office. But like how fucking bad this guy was, man. And it all just kind of got ignored, you know, and swept under the rug. Didn't mm-hmm. Biden, and this is telling how long he's been in office, but... I think Biden did the same thing for Congress that some people from like Eastern Kentucky used to do to like join the military, lie about their age. Like, <laughs> like don't didn't you have to be like thirty or something? And he like got elected when he was like twenty eight, but lied about his age or something. Or maybe, or maybe they just like made an exception for some or reason. Was a couple months or something. I think uh, that sounds familiar. I'm not sure, but anyway, a long goddamn time. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that Fanon has a promising future as a media figure. Uh, he has definitely come out, uh, like I said, spoken out on multiple occasions against politicians who have sought to rewrite history and deny facts about the brutal events he experienced that day. It's been very difficult seeing elected officials officials whitewash the events that day or downplay what happened, he said in April. <laughs> and this is the, this is the, uh, the kicker. I experienced the most brutal, savage, hand-to-hand combat of my entire life, <laughs> let alone my policing career, which spans almost two decades. Oh, boy. <laughs> I he, mean, he, 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 he endured... like Batman or something. 
he endured the most harrowing hand-to-hand combat experience of his life with a guy that dressed in elkhorns and painted himself <laughs> blue, and then like a couple of like holler grandmothers. Yeah, yeah this this is how sociopathic these people are, man. Like you know, like it's like this 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 crusade you know that these people have over twenty years. He's saying this is the most violent. You know, hand-to-hand combat. It's like, dude, you're... I don't know, man. Like, they're itching for a fight, you know? They look forward to the violence, you know? I... Well, I looked it up. So, CNN published the uh, body cam footage of his... You know, his body cam. And, um... And it is... It is kind of like, all right, I guess I would probably be shitting my pants. But at the same time, it's really not any more insane than being so I, when i was like 20 years old i went to like a red hot chili peppers concert <laughs> <laughs> you just watching flea going yeah <laughs> and i remember feeling like panicked as fuck like if there was a stampede or something yeah. like uh, you know there's so many people around for you know what looks like miles um and uh and and i remember feeling pretty panicked about that um, but if you've ever been, like, in a mosh pit at a big show like that, like, what his body cam shows is no more insane than that. Uh, with, the, with the exception that apparently one of these guys had a taser and just kept tasing him. <laughs> there. <laughs> um, oh, my God. But, but, yeah, I mean... I still can't get over the mental image of a young Terrence at goddamn Red Hot Chili Peppers. Which tour was it? It was um it was Lollapalooza actually in Chicago. Was this the summer that uh uh Beavis and Butthead Do America came out and they had the cover of Roller Coaster of Love by Ohio Players on there? <laughs> that might have been a little before my time. I think I was still in middle school when that happened. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean no, uh I mean I guess I guess I could see how to some people, yeah, it would be the most insane hand-to-hand combat. But I don't know. Like, th- there's just a few things about this guy that I just don't understand. Probably the weirdest thing about him is that he joined the D.C. Uh, Metropolitan Police after 9-11. He said it was the reason he joined, but he became a narcotics officer. So he's been a narcotics officer for, like, 20 years, usually, like, a plainclothes officer, and was just, like, on the steps that day. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just, I mean, granted, I think that probably what's happening here is that he's just a guy that happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And the like liberal media has, uh, you know, like I said, latched onto him and and turned him into this godlike (laughs) figure. (laughs) But I don't know, man. I just, he's the Sully Sullenberger of, uh, cops. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm, are are liberals are using like are they using him as like uh like kind of like an example of how far gone the Republican Party is? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like especially with Andrew Clyde, I guess that's their point. Like kind of using him as his prop to say like the Republicans don't even uh, support the police anymore. That's while also paying lip service to like you know the BLM movement. That's you know basically what, I mean? what so, Swalwell was saying. You know, he said they would rather serve Trump than the police. <laughs> it's just like, dude, this is how low it's gotten. This is how bad. 
Oh, this is yeah. also why you were dead in the water in your presidential run about two weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> Among other reasons. Yeah. I think, well, I think, uh, again, you know, the craziest thing that this guy's passed is also that he ran for national leadership with DSA in 2016. That's not, <laughs> that's not being talked about enough. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What was he trying to accomplish there? It makes you wonder. Man. It makes you wonder. Um, what a time. Yeah, the body cam footage is pretty f- interesting because, um, yeah, while there is apparently some dude there that just keeps tasing him, I think he got tased like five times. <laughs> there is, oh, there was the vast majority of people were like, we're better than this, protect him, you know, and then they eventually did form like a cordon around him and escorted him back to where the police were at. So it's like, I mean, in the aggregate, most of these fucking shuds, they still obviously like, love police. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, Damn. yeah. Um, well, anyways, uh, I I don't know. It's it's a interesting thing. Um, I, I had a few things I wanted to talk about today, um, other than the January sixth hot cop, uh, <laughs> and um, maybe the best place to start would be the um, Putin Biden summit this week. Oh um, <laughs> this is the first time they've met, right? Since he's been elected. Yeah, it is. I mean, there was there was like a really good quote that came out of it, I thought. Um from Biden. Uh or I'm sorry, not from Biden, from Putin. I'm trying to find it real quick. It was uh I thought it I thought it lined up pretty well. He said through his interpreter there is no happiness in life. There is only a mirage on the horizon. So cherish that. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Joe Biden is homosexual. Uh, also, <laughs> death is the ultimate adventure. <laughs> death is the ultimate adventure. Man. You know, there's a few things to kind of tease out from from this meeting. Um, I think the the large sort of part of it, the biggest part of it, was over like cyber weapons and stuff. Like, there's a big article in the New York Times said once superpower summits were about nukes. Now it's cyber weapons. Um, and so I think that that's like mostly what they talked about. It was like mostly about the hacking stuff. Um, and Biden Biden's talking about cyber weapons and hacking stuff i mean i'm sure he has you know you know he has his uh his aides and you know people that you know he's appointed and shit but it's just it's just funny knowing that he has no idea probably how any i mean i don't have any idea how any of that shit works yeah well he was talking about cybering he was like we've got to stop (laughs) americans from cybering with rush having cyber sex it was around (laughs) man it it used to be uh around the clock asl and (laughs) <laughs> and uh what are you doing you up now it's uh <laughs> or it used, to be, used to be round the clock sex in these gay bathhouses now it's round the clock these kids are hanging out in the chat rooms round the clock saying asl question mark come on man come on come man, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. yeah it's funny i was I just, I mean, not intentionally, but just because uh, the 
UK NPR station is like just my default on the radio. I got in the car and and Biden's like giving like his post game on it, and he's like, "Well, I told him our American values would not be compromised." You know, he's doing all this. And I was like, "Motherfucker, nobody talks like that." Like I know good and fucking well you didn't sit down in this meeting with Vladimir Putin and just start like tough talking him with like the same platitudes that you give like. You know what I mean? Or maybe he does. Maybe Joe Biden's that goddamn stupid. I don't know. I'd like to know, like, for, like for real, what's going on. Like, I would, like, I want Biden or to come out and just be like, "Well, we talked about, uh, you know, Miss USA, nineteen seventy four, and what legs she had on her. You know, that kind of stuff." Like, there's got to be some kind of like locker room talk before they get into the pressing issues. Before you know they get to I mean? the pressing issues, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without a doubt. Um, it's like Putin's like, yeah, I took down this fine red bone the other day. Yeah, you know what I mean? And just like, <laughs> something. You know what I mean? She had a fat, she had an ass on her that wouldn't quit. You know? Like, they just ain't just like jumping right in there talking about like cybersecurity and this. <laughs> they got to break the ice first, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I like this part from the New York Times article. In the nuclear age, America knew where every Soviet weapon was located and who had the authority to fire them. In the cyber age, there is no way to count the threats or even figure out who has their finger on the keyboard, the modern-day quote-unquote button. A general? Hackers working for the SVR, the premier Russian intelligence agency? Other hackers freelancing for a ransomware service provider like DarkSide, which was responsible for the attack on the company that ran the Colonial Pipeline? Or teenagers? In the nuclear age, it was abundantly clear what would happen to a country that unleashed its weapons on the United States. In the cyber age, it is anything but clear. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> let's just talk, let's just rewind there and talk about the big bad United States and their response to nuclear stalemate. Exactly. <laughs> it was clear what was going to happen. Like, I think Khrushchev was quoted as saying that if the U.S. wants war, we'll see them in hell. Yeah. And, like, Kennedy was like, oh, God, anything. Not, you know what I mean? Oh, no. Like, I'm just I'm sick of us just talking like we're badasses. When we're, historically, we've, like, tucked our tail between our legs. Always. Every single fucking time, yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> just time and time again having our bluff called and just... <laughs> If listen, if a man says that he'll see you in hell, that's that's you don't want anything to do with that type exactly. of cat. You, know what I mean? you don't want no problem with that. You don't want to place that bet, man. Yeah. yeah. It's a man with nothing to lose. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you know, as I was looking into this story a little bit, hmm. um, I kind of went back I was reading these two things at the same time. But I, you know how, like, on the Patreon episode this past weekend, we read from The Atlantic's uh, wonderful um, segment section called Ideas, their Ideas, ideas. section? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's an amazing article in The Ideas, Ben, that, uh, you know... Which we should probably start making a habit of reading more. We'll just I'll just throw in a bunch of ideas, and we can pull from a hat, but... There was an amazing article in there from March 2021, so a couple months ago, from Ann Applebaum. Do y'all know who Ann Applebaum is? Ann Applebaum. She wrote a book. I had to read it in college. It won a Pulitzer, I think, um, about the gulag system in the Soviet Union. Um, Okay. Yeah, she's kind of like Timothy Snyder. Like She's kind of one of these 
probably an intelligence asset, like probably literally works for the State Department or the yeah. CIA in some way. She's a propagandist. She's a cop- made some money, like right. demystifying some of that stuff or whatever. Exactly. exactly. She's exactly. a propagandist for empire. Um, but uh, she 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 wrote this article: um, the science of making Americans hurt their own country. A new report lays bare why Russian disinformation <laughs> succeeds. <clears throat> um, I I just want to read this because this is wait. Can you can you read that title? What was the title again? The title was The Science of Making Americans Hurt Their Own Country. <laughs> We're self-harming. We are self-harming as a nation. We are self-harming. The people are the ones. That are oh, my God, dude. Oh, boy. Jesus, man. All right. Um, okay. No, I mean, just the title alone, I was like, oh, I got to dine out on this. We, we got to <laughs> see what's going on I have to take a bite out of this shit, yeah. I looked into this. Um, I just want to read a, a section from this because it's one of the most unhinged like, you know, really in the past two or three years, I, I've really struggled with, uh, with paranoia, with the idea that, um, you, you know, you may never know the ultimate truth to some of these larger, um, you know, processes going on around you at all times, that there, there, there are forces at work that not only can you probably never get a glimpse of, um, but you, you don't even know what you don't know. You know, it's the unknown yeah. unknowns as Rumsfeld yeah. once said, um, and even the more, you know, the more you don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and so, you know, you can easily kind of go down rabbit holes where you start to just feel completely insane and paranoid and just conspiratorial. Yeah. You're talking about my like 3 AMs. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's um, still, yeah. well, what I'm going to read right now honestly puts any kind of paranoid conspiratorial thought I've had in the last two or three years or so just just completely dwarfs it. Makes it seem like fucking Dr. Seuss or something. This is from her article. For decades now, Russian security services have studied a concept called reflexive control, the science of how to get your enemies to make mistakes. To be successful, practitioners must first analyze their opponents deeply – to understand where they get their information and why they trust it. Then they need to find ways of playing with those trusted sources in order to insert errors and mistakes. This way of thinking has huge implications for the military. Consider how a piece of incorrect information might get a general to make a mistake. But it works in politics, too. The Russian security services have now studied us and worked out that large numbers of Americans, not only Fox News pundits and OANN broadcasters, but also members of Congress, are very happy to accept sensational information, however tainted, from any source that happens to provide it. As long as it suits their partisan frames and as long as it can be used against their opponents, they don't care who invented it or for what purpose. As a result, supplying an edited audio tape or a piece of false evidence to one of the bottom feeders of the information ecosystem is incredibly easy. After that, others will ensure that it rises up the food chain. Russian disinformation doesn't succeed thanks to the genius of Russians. It succeeds... Thanks to the sharp partisanship of Americans. And this is the best part. This is the money shot. Russian disinformation works because Americans allow it to work. And because those same Americans don't care anymore about the harm they do to their country. (laughs) I mean, the thing that I've never quite understood. There's so many contradictions in the whole Russia thing. The whole Russiagate thing. But the thing I've never understood is that the people pushing it the hardest are obviously some of the biggest patriots. But it makes us look... 
like the weakest, most, you know, inept. It goes back to what we were talking about with the Havana Syndrome thing. It's like they attribute to our enemies a strength that, like, and they don't even do the um, the thing that I feel like they did with uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and stuff, where mm. they would simultaneously say they're stronger than they've ever been, and but they're also very weak. They don't even attribute yeah. the weakness to Russia. In this conception of things, Russia is the most powerful, technologically <laughs> sophisticated, and also psychologically just, like, manipulative. Like, yeah. they're just constantly, like, gaslighting Americans. They've got the lead <laughs> on us. They live in our heads. Like, and I, I just don't understand, like... Making us look like huge pussies. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm watching Mad Men at Terrence's behest, and it's it's like the Russians are Don Draper and we're Pete Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know Pretty what I mean? Much, yes. <laughs> just sniveling little rich kid that thinks that, you know, just because we have the gold that we can, you know, that makes us adept at things for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean it's it, also go ahead here. It's also like she's kind of like circling around, but not really addressing the issue of like why is it that so many Americans? Why is America so like partisan right now? You know, so hyper partisan. Like, why is it that like Americans would like want to hurt this country? You know, and hate it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she assumes like this. Like, no, America's perfect. It's fine. You know, and it's 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 a uh, it's like yeah, man. I think the Russians. Uh, I think the Russians are pretty fucking, I would say, genius. It's not, you don't have to be a genius to, like, use, like, you know, like, your opponent's, like, weaknesses against them. But, I mean, what the fuck are we doing, you know? Yeah. Like, we have our tail between our legs, you know what I mean? Well, it makes me wonder. I mean, obviously, I don't have a fucking stake in this. I don't give a shit. Um, Yeah, I don't give a shit either. But but it makes me wonder, like, in in the history of civilizations, has has a great, and I don't mean great, like, in um, a positive sense. I mean great in, like, in terms of scale and power and influence yeah. has a great superpower ever gone down due to its own like neuroses just due to complete almost unfounded paranoia like because that's what this is this is yeah. just like constant neuroses just like yeah i don't know like looking through the blinds yeah at 3 a.m just like the fucking russians <laughs> it's not even cold war shit you know what i mean like <laughs> well like I think, like, what what is it? Like, you know, after the Cold War, like, you know, we didn't really have an enemy to fight. You know, for a little bit, we tried to, like, you know, uh, go into the Middle East, you know, and paint these Islamic extremist terrorists. And, like, now, like, with the contradictions, like, widening and the material conditions worsening, like, I mean, we're, like, literally, like, cracking at the seams, you know? Like, it's all coming. It seems to be that it's all just coming from, like, you know, within rather than without. And we have nobody else to, like, turn to and, like, blame. So this is why Biden has to talk about, you know, divisions and healing, you know, healing the divide in our country. Because even it, they have to acknowledge it. Yeah, I think you're right. Honestly, you should, I think anybody should be viewing this as a sign of extreme weakness. Um, just the sense that they, that they have convinced themselves that, yeah, the Russians are behind uh, a, a, a microwave radiation gun that can, like, take down, you know, the healthiest... American soldier in an instant or, or that they have developed these psychological uh, studies and, and, and games that like compl- I mean like the fact that they buy into this tells me that they are much weaker than they appear I'm, I'm yeah. talking specifically about the sort of like liberal establishment because the liberal establishment spent all fucking week talking about how like uh, how you know Joanne Reed had this tweet about like 
I'm gonna re up this uh I'm gonna re up this piece from Radio Free Tom about how the Republicans are late stage Bolsheviks. They're coming apart. It's just like <laughs> you guys are coming apart. You you're fucking insane. <laughs> this is exactly, exactly. Like this is like you are literally becoming a dud. Because like you can't reconcile like what's happening, you know, why people are so upset, like why shit is the way it is, you know. Like Oh my god, dude! What? Well, yeah, you know, I know it's not an original observation by any means. Like this has obviously been going on since Trump won, well, and even well before that. But I don't, I don't know. It's just uh, they, they seem. The reason it's just pertinent right now is because they seem to be dancing on the grave of the GOP right now. You know, they seem to be like, yeah. we finally vanquished them, we've conquered them, they're done. Like, but, Bro, but it's just... I, I saw, I saw this happen. During Obama too, when they were in a much better position than mm. they are now, yeah, yeah, and we saw how that turned out, yeah, yeah, they're dancing in the end zone right now, and it's like, you know, if Trump came after uh, Obama, you know, I can only imagine what the fucking Republicans are going to be brewing up, and like, you know, what's going to pop out, like, you know, even even look at the midterms next year, man, <laughs> you know, like that's that's like one thing where I I just I don't know. I think that'll be like an omen of like what's to come, man. Like just kind of like, you know, the Republicans once again just as they do, just fucking taking over like the House, the Senate, and the Democrats. The same way it was like during the Obama administration, man. They're just gonna be like pigeonholed, you know. Mm-hmm. And not not even by the Republicans, but also by people like Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, which is like, I think that's the funniest thing, man. It's like they got everything they wanted, but again, I guess there's a microcosm of like you know a weakness within. They got everything they wanted, but within their own party, they can't get like you know, like senators to vote on certain bills or to move on certain you know, yeah, on certain legislation. Yeah. I hope, man, as we're all boiling in seawater and everything, the last thing I see <laughs> before I go down is Kristen Cinema with a ring that says "fuck off" and her just uh, sitting under a sign that says "everything happens for a riesling," and she's just. <laughs> You know, like Nero playing the fiddle while Rome's burning. Yeah, it's just Christian Cinema fucking getting hopped up at a goddamn Applebee's while we're all just dying, dying, languishing. Yeah, it'll yeah. no, it's it's it'll be Radio Free Tom having a eight course Indian meal cuisine <laughs> because his friend. Did y'all see that tweet? He was like, it was like yeah, 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 his tweet. Indian friend. It was a whole story. It was like a whole fucking article he wrote. Like I was averse to Indian food, and then my friend talked me into it. <laughs> Dude, I'm from Whitesburg, fucking Kentucky, and I, like, I, like I've ate Indian food. You know what I mean? Dude, you're the real Radio Free Tom. Tom, yeah, man, you should take that name back. You're you're yeah. a Radio Free Tom, my man. Yeah, he's just a pretender. <laughs> uh, man, well, you know, so I was thinking we talking about Kristen Cinema and the line mom thing. I was th- I was talking to a friend about this the other day. It, I think, especially because it's Juneteenth, I think we should talk about it. But, like, have y'all noticed that Juneteenth has been getting the pride treatment over the last two or three years? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> like, there's probably institutions with its origins in slaveholding that are, like, letting their employees off for Juneteenth now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be doing, like, you know, like, uh, car sales and shit like that. And, like, you know, mattress <laughs> sales and shit like that. <laughs> like they do for Memorial Day and President's Day. God man. damn it. <laughs> like they, I guarantee you, like in like a year. You're right. Jesus Christ! It's just gonna be like uh, 
woodcuts of emancipated slaves like at Macy's, like, you know, getting 30% <laughs> off of like mattresses and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you're so right, dude. <laughs> oh my God, man. It's like you were saying earlier, Terrence, that, uh, you know, like, kind of memifying or rather commodifying, like, you know, like people, you know, making them larger than life almost. It's like, yeah, man, we, we do that. Like, no, you do that every fucking holiday in this country, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think I remember seeing, like, Christmas stuff, like, li- literally out in, like, July. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, here. Yeah. <laughs> because they're prepping for the holiday season. It's oh, man, that reminds me. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had an article and I almost forgot to read it, but we got to read it. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, speaking of holidays, this is in the New York Times. This school board got rid of Columbus Day. Then Thanksgiving went, too. Wait, they changed the headline just in the last, like, hour. God damn it. This, <laughs> fucking, Where's this from? The Times? It's, it's New, yeah, New York Times. It's in New York. I hate when they do they that shit. The fucking, yeah, they do that shit a lot, man. <laughs> when I checked it, like, a, an hour or two ago, it was like, then things backfired or something like that. I don't know. Um... A month ago, the school board in a northern New Jersey suburb followed the lead of at least six other states and scores of municipalities when it voted unanimously to rename Columbus Day as Indigenous Peoples Day. Outrage followed, prompting the district to approve an extreme workaround intended to sidestep the complicated terrain of identity politics in an increasingly polarized nation. Holidays from school would no longer be labeled on the district calendar at all. Rosh Hashanah... Thanksgiving, Veterans Day, and the second Monday in October, whatever it might be called, would instead be marked only as day off from school in Randolph, a township about 40 miles west of New York City. <laughs> it, it, it gets, it gets, we won't <laughs> say why, but... It gets way better. <laughs> they just completely fucking botched it to the... Just, like, as bad as it could have got. <laughs> They're just... Yeah, day off. We'll just... Nondescript <laughs> day off. Um, then on Wednesday, the school board said it was considering a complete about face, scheduling a meeting for next week to vote on a resolution to restore all holiday names, including Columbus. Nah, day. you got to double down at that point, man. <laughs> Show no weakness. What are you nah, doing? Nah, yeah, that's right. You're showing weakness. Had <laughs> to double the fuck down, man. Um, the, the the some of the best parts in this. All right, their attempt to address diversity essentially has caused divisions," said State Senator Anthony Bucco. Anthony oh, fucking. Oh Bucco. my god, dude! <laughs> <laughs> Anthony fucking Bucco. By trying Bucco. to make everything vanilla, you lose that sense of diversity. <laughs> um, he's a Republican, yeah, who represents course, the township. Of course, he is. Um, dude, this gets so fucking good. Just hold on. Hold on to your fucking seats. The controversy comes as the country grapples with how to recognize historical figures that are seen as symbols of white supremacy. In the wake of George Floyd's murder by a police officer in Minneapolis, statues of Columbus and Civil War leaders have been defaced, toppled, or removed in cities across the country. Last month, New York City, which operates the country's largest school system, uh, faced criticism after initially trying to rename Columbus Day for indigenous people. I did not know this, but this is amazing. In response, the city similarly attempted to split the difference. The second Monday in October is now labeled Indigenous People's Day slash Italian Heritage Day. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to call that a win. 
God damn it. Hey, you mean, hey, listen, these fucking black guys, they get two holidays. They got the Juneteenth now, they got fucking March King Day. We can't even get fucking Columbus Day. Oh, man. Oh we just want God. Columbus Day. Also, we got to share with the fucking Indians. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so, are you going to have, like, parallel marches, like, on the day, on that day? You know what I mean? Or nope, you dude, have, yeah, like... That's literally an episode of The Sopranos. Like, yes, it's literally yeah. an episode. One of the best. <laughs> I would say yeah. one of the worst, but <laughs> it's, it's very, it's still very good. Um, so, yeah, anyways, uh, Randolph, an affluent Morris County township of about 25,000 people, is 80% white. No residents identifies Native American, according to the most recent <laughs> census data available. There are four recognized Native American tribes in New Jersey, including the Ramapo Lenap Indian Nation or Lenape, I probably butchered that and I apologize, which is based in the northern section of the state. The initiative to rename Columbus Day reportedly stemmed from a recommendation by a local diversity and inclusion committee. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, uh, Senator Bucco was among those who spoke <laughs> out against renaming Columbus Day at last Thursday's Rockford board meeting. <laughs> this is not real. He said he was heartened that the school calendar may restore the names of all state and federal holidays. If they want to add Indigenous Peoples Day to the calendar, then by all means do it. But don't violate Italian-American civil rights by removing only them. (laughs) Dude, a friend the other day asked me, like, is it worth rewatching Sopranos? Like, they hadn't watched it since the 2000s. And it's like... I've never watched it. Oh, it's great. And I was like, yeah, I mean... And and so you know he we rewatched some of the first season and he was like this could have been shot today and it's like yeah it's because nothing yeah. has changed really <laughs> it's just yeah. I, I mean we're just caught in the same fucking loops man yeah yeah, yeah. man yeah. that's so good when did the Sopranos come out um started in like ninety eight yeah um, ended in like two thousand seven or something I think I mean maybe this is just like because I was like eight years old. Like then, you know, in the 2000s, I was still pretty young, but it feels like this long, like, period since maybe, like, the 2000s, I mean, maybe since after 9-11, you know, that it just felt like nothing has really changed, you know? Yeah. Like, at all, like, I feel like, I don't know, from the 30s to the 40s to the 50s and 60s, I don't, I don't know, I'm a dumbass, but based on what I know, it's, like, very, like, turbulent, you know, and kind of volatile, uh-huh. you know, but we're, like, kind of stuck in this long-ass, like, period, man. Dude, you guys gotta listen. Oh my god. Uh, you can't revise history, said State Senator Joseph Pinocchio. <laughs> oh no. Dude, really? Yo, this is not real. You're making that up. You made this is I not, swear to fucking god. It's not There's real. No dude. Joseph Pinocchio. <laughs> Nobody's there last is name no is actually Senator Pinocchio. Joseph Pinocchio. <laughs> Nobody's last name is Pinocchio, man. Oh, I swear to fucking god. Come on, Read bro. I don't story. Need that shit, man. Senator Pinocchio, who is Italian and grew up in Brooklyn, said he had fought to preserve Columbus Day as a way to recognize Italian American significant contributions to the country. Oh it's a symbol, god. he said, of the hard work that Italian Americans put into this country. I swear to fucking God. God. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm asking you here about show of hands again because, and the reason I do this sample size is because, you know, we got one from the Southwest. 
you know, one from the northeast, one from the mountains. And I, my hunch is none of us went to like particularly great schools. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> just I mean, just, just just judging from a small sample size of listening to this show, you can tell we're lacking in a couple of things. But how old were y'all when you learned like the truth of Columbus? Like that he act, that, not even like I'm not even talking about like native genocide or anything, but just that he didn't actually discover America. Shit, yeah. Dude, I was. Hey, you um... got grown motherfuckers named Pinocchio that actually think. <laughs> Columbus just ran smack dab into the contiguous 48, and they and the Italians founded this country. Every time he tells that story at a board meeting, his nose grows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not why they fucking call me that. <laughs> it's just a genetic variant. <laughs> no, dude, you're right, Tom. And that was one of the interesting things from the Patreon episode on Sunday. Like, some of the feedback was like, well, despite what y'all say, so, there are classes, there are uh, high school teachers teaching critical race theory in Howard Zinn, and these were very important things. And it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that there's like pockets of that, but I guarantee, I mean, like, I was like 21 or 22 before I really learned yeah. the actual truth of Columbus. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm from a state I'll... with a very large native population, and, uh, the political economy of the state is in many ways interwoven into the social relations of the reservations and the governance structures on those reservations. And even then we still didn't, we didn't learn about any of that. I mean, obviously because I mean, it's probably even more dangerous in a state like New Mexico, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you're right. We didn't learn about that till much later. I mean, I literally, I mean, remember in elementary school, you know, uh, some, I mean, middle school, I guess, you know, it's like talking about like Thanksgiving, you know, and there, there's no discussion about like what actually like, you know, settler colonialism, right? There's no discussion about that, man. So I guess, yeah, sure. There are pockets where if you go to some private school, maybe, or, you know, a school that, I mean, I don't know. I would think it would have to be a private school, man, because you ain't learn that shit in public school. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, you're not. You're not. I mean, majority like, you know, over the country, you're not, especially in New York, like New York City where I went to public school, they wasn't teaching me that shit, man. They was just trying to get us to, like, fucking out of our classes, not even so we could graduate, just so we can get the fuck out, you know? Then I didn't have teachers that taught that kind of stuff. Not uh -huh. to say I didn't have good teachers, but history, I had to learn that much later when I got older, and most of that was by myself, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there you have it. I mean, uh, grown-ass <laughs> dude. Joseph Pinocchio, man. One of my favorite King of a Hill gags is during one of the Thanksgiving episodes. Del Gribble asked John Redcorn, who is fucking his wife, he said, did your people ever celebrate Thanksgiving, Redcorn? He said, they did. <laughs> Once. <laughs> <laughs> that wood top. Um, oh, man. Well, um, so I guess that kind of brings us back... Uh, Full circle. Um, what what else you got? You, do you, Tom, you had mentioned we had talked about. Honestly, the best place to put this would would have been a little bit earlier, talking about the complete derangement of the libs. But you had mentioned the data for progress article on Sean McKelvey in the New York Times, which there's some pretty good stuff in. And I don't know Chapo covered it already, but there were a few things that kind of uh, 
were entertaining about it, right? Yeah, that's that's just there's some just great pull quotes from it. Like, and yeah, you're right, they covered it on Chapo, but uh, Sean McElwee referring to himself as the radio head of fundraising. <laughs> you don't really mean? know why you like it. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see. He says he calls himself radio head for donors. You can't really explain why I'm good, but everyone knows that I'm good at it. Right, right, right. But um, anyway, it's just basically talking about how Data for Progress has like found purchase with like even mainstream Democrats now. And, you know, it opens up with saying President Biden mentions it in calls. The White House reads its work, and Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, teams up with its leaders for news conferences, blog posts, and legislation. The embrace of data for progress by the highest ranks of the Democratic Party is a coming-of-age moment for a left-leaning polling firm and think tank that is barely three years old. And then, you know, it just kind of goes into some of, you know, uh, their early successes of, you know, and they, I don't know, it's just, it's just, it's just, to me, I don't know, it's just a Sean McElwee self-suck, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to really say about it. The Chapel did say about it, but it just really just talks about, uh, you know, how they basically underbid all these, like, traditional polling firms, and so the Democrats favor them, but, like, how they actually are deluded into sort of thinking that, you know, they're moving the moving the needle with, like, yeah. traditional Democrats and, like, and just kind of supporting... Like, not no. that they're being co-opted. That's the thing. They don't recognize... I mean, I don't know if they recognize it, but they are being co-opted. Like, you're not moving the needle, you know? They're just, like, subsuming you into their own fucking, like, establishment, you know, thing, man. They're yeah, kind of, yeah. Kind of neutralize you, you know? Or at least pay lip service, you know? Well, it's 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 interesting because I think out of, like, the aftermath of, like, Bernie and, you know, the, the sort of, um, you know, DSA and everything, you know, everything that kind of transpired, you know, after... 2020 and everything it's like people on the left or ostensibly on the left have like went off into like a number of directions and one of the one of the primary ones is like people like really got into like the sort of i guess i guess you call it left washing the ngo sort of like theory of change where it's like the, the net result is just they're just creating more fake email jobs for people well like myself, <laughs> but, 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 you know, kind of like justifying their existence by saying, oh, look, well, Chuck Schumer's courting our data and, and, you know, President Biden's courting our data and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, to me, you know, I'm an NBA fan and it's like one of the things that I think is really f like makes the game suck these days is all these NBA front offices are spending their resources on, like, data guys, like sabermetrics guys, they call them. And these are usually, like, ex-poker players, like like Mark Cuban just hired an ex-professional poker player to, like, sort of lead the organization's direction and fired a guy, Donnie Marshall, who, like, not only helped win him, build him a championship team, but is also just, like, considered, you know, one of the best basketball minds in the world. His dad was a legendary coach, but like, like everything is just, it's just a big con job by numbers guys because numbers yeah, right. really don't tell you everything. Yeah, because yeah. there's all kinds of externalities in life that like you can't account for. Like anybody that's 
spend any time at all like gambling knows that like scores and stats and all that stuff only tell part of the story. Also, shit you can't account for is wacky shit. Who's going to break oh. their leg? Who's you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you would have lived through the last year without having some sort of awareness that there are just contingencies and things that happen that you can't plan for. Like, if you were to go back and listen to episodes of this show from 2018, from all the big uh, leftist podcasts, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't include us in that category, but the medium-sized ones, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> all, us would... tweeners. <laughs> all us tweeners. <laughs> the in twinks the and the, the bears. Pond. Yeah, yeah, and the otters. Um, y- you... I mean, there was this sense that uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it just we were all so certain that X, Y, and Z was definitely going to happen. It had Biden, to happen. Yeah, Biden was definitely not going to make it. You know that Bernie was definitely going to at least uh, you know get farther than he did or whatever. There was just this yeah. sense that we were very extremely confident about the outcomes of all these things. And the thing is, is that. I mean, granted, you can say what you want about, like, the validity of uh, the Bernie campaign to begin with and whatever would have happened, but I think, honestly, the biggest wild card was just fucking COVID. I mean, I mean, yeah. a, a big part of why he lost was just the pandemic compounding the fear and uncertainty people already had about Trump and pushing people towards a candidate that they were familiar with, that they knew— and that they were confident could beat Trump. And uh, and so, I mean, we couldn't plan for that. Nobody fucking planned for a global goddamn pandemic. <laughs> like, no, well, that, that's, that's, the, that, that's the thing, man. It's like if you, if you were to take the Bernie campaign 2020 on a strictly numbers thing, he would have won 48 out of 50 contests like Chuck Roca said he was going to. You know what I mean? If nothing, if no externalities, nothing wacky happens on paper, no interference, no nothing, no uh is doing whatever, if it was strictly a numbers game, Bernie would have ran roughshod over all those primaries and he'd be president. Yeah. But that didn't happen. So. Yeah. Well, I think a large part of this, and you kind of um, pointed this out already, Tom, that a large function that this serves and it's largely the function that NGOs in the nonprofit sector serve in general, at least when it comes to politics is sort of mystifying, um, the democratic process, but even more than that, sort of co-opting and being able to suppress actual social movements and, uh, in the things that they are demanding and trying to achieve. Um, I don't. I don't think that every no nonprofit starts out with that goal. Of course not. But I definitely think that if you look at the trajectory of Black Lives Matter, what it started mm-hmm. as in 2014, and then what it became in a kind of institutional form. I mean, you. I mean, like, what? What was it? Like, weren't the majority of the Black Lives Matter founders supporting Warren by the yeah. end? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's just you yeah. couldn't ask for a better demonstration of how. Um, what had started off as the most important social movement of the 21st century so far mm. became um, this thing that had been co-opted and just basically, you know, neutered yeah. by a uh, a sector that serves to mediate. The, the most fascinating thing about nonprofits in that sector <clears throat> is that it simultaneously makes them look like they it ma- makes them look to the streets 
like they are the legit mediators of power and that they have access and that you should go through them if you're trying to get change. And it also has a double feature. It's a dialectical thing. It has a double feature to where it makes that sector appear to the lawmakers as if politics is organic, as if yeah. what is happening is, is, is an organic thing. And, um, and so, therefore, the people in your office making X, Y, and Z demands are representatives of what people in the streets are demanding. But that's not at all the case. We know yeah. that those people exist to mediate between yeah, street-level demands <clears throat> and what happens in Congress. And so that by the time it makes it all the way to the you know, chambers and halls of Congress, it gets spurted out as uh, either a watered-down demand or a talking point you hear over and over, like D-Ray's eight-can't-wait thing, or yeah. it gets uh, repackaged into some polling thing that is completely yeah. meaningless – We've seen it work the way that it works in the nonprofit world uh, with these numbers and stuff. I mean, um, you know, the way that they write grants for things like, oh, X, Y, and Z is going to create X number of jobs and it's going to do this. They do the same fucking shit with polling numbers. It's just numbers they pull out of fucking air. And you can make them, you can make all of them say what you want them to say. You know what I mean? Like, that's the whole thing about, I think, why they're notoriously unreliable. I mean, I, I did polling, like, you know, political polling, like, not just canvassing, but, like, polling as well for a little bit. And, like, you know, like, people tell you, people can be unreliable because they'll just tell you what they think they want you, what they want you to hear, you know, just so but, they can get rid of you. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Running for local office, one thing I know is that I kept a tally and 608 people told me they'd vote for me and I got 272 votes. So. <laughs> <laughs> every every right. motherfucker will that's tell still you that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's the other the other the grand externality is we're all a bunch of goddamn liars. <laughs> that exactly. You're all right. How can polls account for the fact that we are inveterate liars and fake <laughs> friends? Voters are the ultimate fake friends. Yeah. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. Yeah, truly. It's like, you know, all our, our politics, I know we talked about it before, I mentioned it, you know, but like our politics is like it's no longer tethered to any mass politics, any mass kind of social movement, you know, and it's like, it's enough for Biden to say, well, we're looking at the data, you know, from mm-hmm. these certain groups, you know? Yeah. And like, it's, it's, uh, you know, this technocratic approach, you know, that yeah, Warren it, had, you know, that it makes so, it sorry, appear kind of, organic. Yeah, it exactly. It makes it appear organic, which, you know, again, not to like, you know, harp on like Bernie, you know, and like, you know, uh, just, just kind of focus on that because I think what, What's, I think what was hopeful for a lot of people and what I noticed in language, right, was like that I'd never seen before in any presidential campaign. Well, I guess Obama or Clinton running as well was uh, even Obama kind of did it was Bernie's like not me, us and always using kind of inclusive language, you know, like we, our, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, listening to Hillary talk about like, um, you know, or, or Warren, for example, right, talk about like what she was going to do. Right. I mean, it's the same thing with same thing with Biden. I mean, they all did it. And I think it was uh, really hopeful at that time because it really felt like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And for many people, you know, felt like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And I don't know, it's uh, it's insidious the way that like Black Lives Matter for, I don't know if you guys saw their, um, they have like, uh, not demand, I guess they have a list of demands or something they came out with like a couple months ago. I talked about it with um, Dave Anthony and Josh Olson on the West Wing thing. But this just came to my attention. But like six or six out of the nine or eight demands were about Trump, you know? And this is, like, months after this motherfucker's been out of office. Right. 
they're kind of like you know, and that's from the national organization. So they're kind of like a was really a stark reminder of how like you know this whole movement. I mean, even look at the the bill that they did, the George Floyd Policing Act or whatever. You right. know, invoking his name. You know, it's just it's and um what I think it was uh, Breonna Taylor was on the cover of like what was it Vanity Fair or something like oh, that. You yeah. know, like a, yeah, dude, it's just like all this like you know grotesque aestheticization, you know, of politics, and then like kind of like you said, Terrence Lane, we say again, like making it seem organic, and it makes me drives me crazy, you know, because I'm like I'm like this is not fucking like sincere or real, but people like think that like okay the needle is you know, moving, you know, things right. are getting better. It's like, nah, man, they're just like kind of painting over shit and like, you know, gold, you know what I mean? Right. It's like a, it's like a golden turd. Yeah. It's <laughs> basically what they're doing, man. Um, I don't know. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I do want to issue a slight correction to what I said earlier when I said nobody could have planned for that. Um, there were a few people that could have planned for our global pandemic. Uh, you know, <laughs> just one those of which... working in the lab in Wuhan. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was gonna say the Pentagon, who who had received multiple warnings over the past couple years that like the next big global pandemic will be a coronavirus SARS type. <laughs> yeah, I I read some. Yeah, like they it. knew they knew about this like at least five years ago before all this stuff. But I also saw that when Trump came into office, I guess Obama had like. Like in response to the Ebola thing, when he was in office, like opened up a bunch of pandemic readiness centers all over the. Yeah, everyone Trump Trump came in. He closed almost <laughs> just out of spot. <laughs> I mean, it's Yo. just like the only reason I'm laughing is because of how fucking morbid it is. It's like, yeah, I, I know. Just... I don't. I don't mean. To, I'm not laughing at six hundred thousand dead. I'm laughing at how goddamn petty. <laughs> well, yeah, and just how dysfunctional and fucked up our society is. That like. That we would even vote a guy like that into office that would, like, you know, <laughs> make a decision like that that's so cavalier it just wipes away 600,000 people. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's it's so atrocious that it becomes just black gallows, you know, black humor, just gallows Yeah, humor. It's, it's gallows humor, man. It's, it's just absurd. Man. It's fucking it's absurd. insane. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Well, uh, anyways, let's close out. I, we had some good speaker pieces this week. I think that'd be a good way to close this out. There were some. I thought there were some pretty decent ones um, from the the old Weisberg Mountain Eagle speaker piece. They've been kind of shitty lately. Um, yeah, Tom and I did an app on a Sunday app where they were all just trash. They man. wouldn't give they us like, nothing good. Yeah, man, it was. They were liberal speaker pieces, man. Now Here there's there's some good ones. Um, yeah. There's specifically, and I don't know, I don't think there's any covered in this week, but there has been a multi-month-long battle between two dudes being like, you call me a traitorous uh, uh, loser, you're the traitor, sir. It's just been gone going for <laughs> fucking months now. <laughs> this is a good one to open up on. <clears throat> speak your piece is supposed to be for someone to speak their mind. Yes, I want to speak my mind. It's been a year since that bunch took the swap shop off the air, and it isn't right. We need to be able to swap and trade. They ruined a good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of people forgetting their barter economy still exists. So, exactly. yeah, um, real hardcore trillbilly heads will know that one of the very first Patreon things was me and Tom doing a parody of the Whitesburg swap shop. I think maybe even the first. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, 
But yeah, dude, they have been pissed about the swap shop, and honestly, I kind of agree with them. It's fucked up they took the swap shop off there, and they did it apparently because uh, they didn't like people advertising on there. Well, and I think even more than that, they didn't like people just calling in and shooting the shit. They were like, like you'd have like old timers like calling in and being like, well, what's going on, guys? <laughs> well, listen, I know a way we can foment a revolution. That's just, we just got to open the swap shop back up with us. <laughs> right. uh, I'm down. Let's sell some shit. Let's be, let's be the Whitesburg flea market again. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Just good old-fashioned mercantilism. <laughs> there was a girl on Sandlick who, if she had been a car, would have been a Lamborghini or even a Porsche. <laughs> Never would I have dreamed she would have turned into the Pinto this, when I saw her the other day. <laughs> Harsh. Dude, there is a, a specific kind of speaker piece that... um. I don't know. I'm sure it's not exclusive to Speaker Piece, but where they like, like cla- classify women as various types of vehicles, extremely sexist, um, but an interesting prosaic choice, for sure. When Mickey Steins ran for sheriff, I voted for him. <laughs> when I try to call him now, one of his deputies answers the phone and tries to act like him. <laughs> <laughs> He needs to do something about them deputies. I like that. <laughs> if, yeah, this is Mickey. <laughs> yeah. After my brother's house burned. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before we go too far, Mickey Steins is famous for those that don't know. Mickey Steins is famously the one that told Tanya he would die for. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. After my brother's house burned down, I went to buy some dinners down at the Dairy Queen, and my brother told me to leave. All I wanted to do was try to help him. Now, how can he be a preacher and do this to his sister? And I love my brother, and I told him that, but he told me to leave. Now, some of these, like, <laughs> are just interesting that, like, I, I think I get kind of, you forget how lonely people truly are sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you would, like, you need to get something off your mind so much you just call the newspaper and, like, say it in a voice machine and let them print it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to... That's why it's a, an amazing, in my opinion, I've always maintained this, it's an amazing metric of, uh, like, if, you're, if you want to talk about polling, if you, if you really want to talk about scientific polling, if you're trying to test the political temperature of a community, read Speak Your Peace. I mean, that's way more scientific, in my opinion, because, yeah, people are just airing grievances that they have no one else to air them to. So you're getting the raw, unfiltered shit. They're not even filtered through other people's opinions. That's that's just raw. And it's not Facebook either, because you can't upvote it or anything. That's what makes it so good. Yeah. It's like an anthropological survey, man. Yeah. Have you noticed, it looks like Facebook has turned into a flea market. (laughs) I thought you wanted to swap it. Uh, got, yeah, goddamn Zuckerberg's got his tentacles even on Swap Shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. It's amazing how some of these old chicks go to the beauty parlor and get their hair all dolled up and put on the lipstick and makeup to get some younger man behind the door of a hotel room. <laughs> Just who in the heck do you old girls think you're fooling? Do you think you'll be in the running for Playmate of the Year if Playboy is ever introduced to the public again? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
dude. Y'all are nothing but a bunch of losers. Hey, listen, let hey, listen, let the let the old ladies do the thing. I, I feel what, like this person's salty, man. I, he, I was this has happened confused. to did they did they take Playboy away? They're not doing Playboy anymore. That was the yeah, best part. If, hey, if if the jackals and the fans ever let play ever let Playboy be a free and open press again, when we finally stop having mass burning events of all the Playboys in town in Town Square, <laughs> Playboy is Playboy off the shelves. I don't know. No, that's one to post. It can't be off the shelves. It'll never be off. Yeah, titties will never be off the shelves, man. Titties will always be relevant. (laughs) The green helicopters flying high on number one hill. Watch out because they are coming for you. They are coming to check out the marijuana crop on number one hill in Jenkins. See, (laughs) that's the most useful. This like warning your neighbor. Perhaps a week too late sometimes, but (laughs) yeah. This motherfucker's in jail already, but yeah. Also, like that, it's not black helicopters in eastern Kentucky that are the source of conspiracy, but green helicopters. Oh, yeah, dude. To the snobbish person who commented that I... Excuse me, let me start over. To the snobbish person who commented that the only true statement I have posted in Speak Your Peace so far is when I agreed with them that I didn't have the brains nor the guts to rebut them. Actually... I gave a concise and accurate rebuttal to each of your imbecilic comments, but you're too ignorant to realize it. <laughs> so please move on and let someone else occupy the idiot corner. This is this is one of the people in this ongoing feud. Uh, so next week, tune in and there'll be the response to that. Be now I realize that to give any credence to the comments of an idiot is a waste of time. Thank you. <laughs> what are these dudes even? What are these people even beefing about? Yeah, what's the source of the beef? It's um. It all started with the January sixth, uh, right? One of them. Was- <laughs> man, man, the shadow of Danny Fatante looms large. Doesn't it? <laughs> Transformative day indeed, man. Well, yeah, one of them is one of them is a lib who is mad about the Republicans treating the cops bad, and one of them is a conservative who claims that he is indeed. Oh, actually, in one of them, I think it's the conservative. He uh, always <laughs> he always talks about being in the service, but one ye- one week he let it out that what he meant by being in the service in Vietnam, <laughs> it wasn't even Vietnam. It was um, he said that he was a contractor handling hazardous material and that he had seen combat, but what he meant by that was that he had seen people. <laughs> Come into the base who had got like their leg blown off or something, and he was like, "I served my country." <laughs> he served his country by being a military contractor. Dude, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, the weirdest kind of valor stealing energy is military contractors because, like, they're there on the bases, but they don't do jack shit. Yeah, yeah. They're profit. They're war profit. They're war profit. <laughs> yeah, but this this guy was like, yes, he was he was basically framing it like the sacrifice he had done for this country. Yeah, <laughs> the sacrifice for him to see a young man with his legs blown off. That was, that yeah. was, that was the sacrifice. I got which I, even I that probably a, didn't uh, happen. Purple heart. <laughs> I have a purple heart from the Rand Corporation. <laughs> uh, yeah, as a longtime reader of the Mountain Eagle, I'm becoming frustrated that the Letcher County Grand Jury just keeps charging people with drug crimes. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means about the people of Letcher County. When I was a kid growing up there, the grand jury had bigger crimes to charge people with. 
I'm not sure whether the people or the grand jury are being lazy. We need more entertaining crimes in the county. It's awesome. <laughs> I like how this starts out. It's like, oh, this might be like an abolitionist thought. And it's yeah. like, nah, somebody's just bored. Yeah. <laughs> Commit more uh, crimes. Yeah. Another day, yeah. another person gets busted with Percocet. Right. Uh, right. Uh, well, yeah, they're pining for the days of, like, the Acre murders, you know? Just really <laughs> sensational. <laughs> or the Steven Seagal guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or that. Well, I mean, that was, yeah. Who we still haven't managed to get out. We still haven't managed to get those guys. Actually, someone did write in and say that one of them was out of jail now, but the other one is still in jail. <clears throat> Fucked up. If Putin lived in America, he would be a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I try to broaden my horizon. I'm sitting here watching Nova, which shows the government spending all this money to try to do the same thing they did in the 1960s, seeding a cloud. They're telling me we put 10 billion tons of carbon into the sky every year. That's a lot of burning. I don't think the earth is in such bad shape from burning fossil fuels. Lots of other things are in play, too. Anyway, God bless America. It's these externalities we're talking about. Uh, Dude, the cloud seeding is interesting. Um, I read Uh, uh. this thing the other day that... What uh, is cloud seeding? Apparently when... I think it's a way to... It's like one of these... um, Like... What's the word I'm looking for? Engineer like climate engineering solutions to stop climate change. Like, so like if you increase the Yeah, like if you increase climate cloud cover that maybe it'll drop the earth's temperature some more. You know what I'm saying? Like Yo, this stop is the plot warming. from Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've not like, seen it. Um, it is yeah. But it is interesting. Um this is one of those kind of conspiracy theories that um people have alleged that the CIA has uh, ways to manipulate weather and apparently and this comes courtesy of the podcast Subliminal Jihad so shout out to those guys but apparently if you if you go back and you watch the 1981 inauguration of Ronald Reagan when he's being sworn in the clouds part in in a radiant beam of sunshine comes down and like illuminates him <laughs> and pe- people have like written about this um i think there's this woman who was like in his administration i think her name is barbara Hon- honiger or something she wrote a book about you know the october surprise and all this but she she said that uh you know she was she thought that it was because of god you know like because of reagan anointing him right the leader of the right. city on the hill exactly yeah. but there are there is some speculation that this was one of those like uh, weather engineering things where they did manage to find a way and, and they decided to use it on his inauguration yes 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 yes, yes. so i mean some, just something to think about. <laughs> the CIA <laughs> took the day off during uh, uh, William Henry Harrison's inauguration. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> or, 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 or they were trying to sabotage him. <laughs> <clears throat> Are you ready to meet God? This is the last one. Are you ready to meet God? <laughs> Read Revelation 22 7, 22 12 through 13, 22 16, and 22 20. You know what's funny about that? They would have just been better served saying, don't just read Revelation 22. (laughs) 
just, so yeah, that, just, it's just like they're like, nah, we don't like 17, 18, or 19, so throw those out. But the rest of them, read them all the way through. Right, 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 right. Ask Jesus to save you before it's too late. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, one more. Miles apart, but so close to my heart. Hopefully we find each other again. In quotation marks, 831. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, can't ask for anything ro- more romantic than that. Um, Happy to facilitate it on this program. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, there you go. Speak your piece for the week of, uh, I guess if we're going by newspaper weeks in Whitesburg, it's the week of June 16th. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so uh, if you'd like to hear more Speak Your Peace or more content, um, please go to the Patreon. We've got all kinds of content there for you. Um, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Party. I guess we went a little long today, but I'm trying to get the show's average episode length to be about two or three hours. So we're going to work our way up to that. Gradually working toward that. Um I mean, because I am impressed. There's, like, radio guys who will have, like, eight-hour radio shows, you know, a day. Like, how the fuck do they do that? you got to have superhuman vocal strength. And I'm trying to work up to mention, You imagine sitting behind a booth for eight hours a day? You have, like, major prostate issues. (laughs) (laughs) Also... Uh, next next year we do this we do this show a year from now god willing and the creek don't rise the front page of the mountain eagle is just going to be the fiscal court all kneeling wearing kente cloths on june 10th <laughs> 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 i'm looking forward to it looking forward to get a new mattress yeah um Maybe get a car yeah well so yeah go check out the patreon i thought our last uh, episode was really uh, good the uh the one about critical race theory so you're, yeah. you're definitely going to want to check that out and uh critical race it was about critical race theory and um how capitalism can be good again uh provided by Great the ideas. ideas section in the atlantic yeah. um, and we do have uh, also we do have confirmation that Tanya will, in fact, be back next week. Yeah. Uh, yes. No take backs on this one. So for all y'all <laughs> pining for Tanya's return, her Ollie-like return to the ring, tune in next week. Um, or her Ollie-like return to... Uh, what Wasn't Ollie like the occluded Mahdi in Shiite Islam? I mean, well, I either, it, the Muhammad metaphor Ali, works but, both ways. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Anyways, tune in, um, and uh, thanks for tuning in, and tune in some more. Um, And have a good weekend. We'll see you next time. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Recording stopped.